Well, I think that all of us have been reminded this week that we are not in control. I have been reminded that I'm not in control. I'm not even in control of my world. And and I was trying to be in a good way. I mean, I was even proud of myself. Um, I was supposed to go next week with a, a local high school on a quick trip to Canada to visit descendants of freed slaves who had come through College Hill on the Underground Railroad 150 years ago. Then, the week after that, I had tickets to March Madness, the Midwest Regional Finals in Indianapolis. And then, after that, I had a whole day planned with tickets to the ballet with my wife. I mean, I had it covered. I had the intellectual, the social, the, the physical, and even had the uh, romantic. Uh, all checked off. And then, poof, gone. Nothing that I could do about it. Now, I know that many of you have, all of you have stories like that, and many of you have much more significant challenges than just a few of my little lost opportunities. Some of you, as I mentioned, will be losing hours at work, maybe even days, maybe even losing your business. Some of you will now having to really juggle the, the chaos of no school for at least the next three weeks, how you care for your children, pay for child care, and fulfill the work that you have in your job. And some have serious um, health care concerns. You, know, you, you have diminished lung capacity already and you have real fear of a virus that could be deadly to you. A virus that you can't see or, or detect and that we don't know a lot about. So for some of us it's the virus. For some of us it's the attempts to thwart the virus that lead us to this really a feeling of helplessness. Recognition that we are out of control. We've been walking through this Lent, uh, through the book of Ecclesiastes. And the the author of Ecclesiastes, I, I think today in the passage we'll look at, has some comfort and some direction. I encourage you now that uh, you're maybe having to stay at home and have a little more time than uh, usual to take this time to read through the whole book of Ecclesiastes. Because what, what the, the writer does there is he takes an honest observation of life, an honest review of life. He frequently says in the, in the book uh, that he's looking at everything under the sun. His, his vantage point is to, to look at life that he can see, that he can smell, that he can hear and touch. Everything under the sun. And the things that he sees it can be very challenging. The, the passage we look at today is really a poem that speaks of just how out of control we are. That, that life will have its ups and downs, will ebb and flow like the ocean's tide, the regular changing of the seasons. Life has all kinds of experiences and events across a very broad continuum. And those events, those occurrences, they happen to us, whether we like it or not. 
Now, it's a familiar passage to many, particularly if you uh, grew up listening to the, the band The Birds who made this uh, famous. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We'll read first the, the poem of Ecclesiastes as he looked at the world and saw, as he looked particularly at time and how time brought so many different events that just happened to us. And that sense of helplessness, that sense of being out of control. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, starting with verse 1. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. The author, author adds us this, this poetry of life's cycles and tides, the, the high and the low, that are going to happen to us no matter what we do, and whether we like it or not. I mean, time is this great unstoppable force. There's no way to stop time. We can play with it. We do that. We did that on sun, last Sunday, daylight savings time. We can say, well, let's just say it's 2 o'clock instead of 1 o'clock. But that didn't change time. That didn't change the seconds and the minutes and the hours. We can add a day to our calendar every four years, like, like we did last month with, with leap year. But we can't tame or control time, nor the change that it brings. We can stop a fire, eventually control it. We can even dam a river. And we can travel to outer space. And eventually we can contain a virus. But time and change cannot be controlled nor stopped. Time and change are inevitable. I can't control them. Neither can you. Viruses will come and go. They're part of life. Part of the changing world in which we live. The helplessness and that sense of out of controlness, that, that uh, chaos that, that you feel, that I feel. So did the writer of Ecclesiastes as he took a look at the ebbs and flows of life. But then just a little bit below what we read, he, he gives some of his responses and reaction. And here he gives some direction in verses 14 and 15 of chapter 3. I perceived that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, 
nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before Him. That which is already has been. That which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. What what the writer of Ecclesiastes is telling us is that God is the one who is in control of time. God exists before time, after time, and even outside of time. God is the one who controls time and change. God does not change. God, as we say in theological circles, God is sovereign. God is in control of all. So the, the writer could say, perceive that whatever God does is what endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it. Therefore, he says, we're, we're to be in awe of God. Uh, what the Bible writers say often is we're to fear him. Now, that, that word doesn't sit well with us to say fear him. But it, it, biblically, what we understand is to be as a healthy fear, an awe, a marvel, a trusting reverence for such a powerful being, for the one who is more powerful than time itself. As the writer says, only what God does endures forever. The, the biblical writers throughout the whole story of Scripture, they, they teach us that God is the one who started time and created life. He said, let there be light. And with the very speaking of His word, light was created and appeared. We're told he, take, he took the dirt and formed it and then breathed life so that human life began. And through His very breath, sustains all of human life. We, we understand from the scriptures that God's character does not change. That God doesn't sleep or slumber. He doesn't grow impatient. God acts perfectly out of love and truth and righteousness. Nothing happens outside of God's control. What theologians say is that nothing happens outside of God's permissive will. That there's no surprises for God. That he, he allows different things to happen. But they're all under His control. We may not know why God does. I don't know why God allows for the coronavirus to come and, what, and many other things. But the prophet Isaiah tells us that God's ways are beyond our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God is never out of control. God is not bound by time or space. In actuality, God experiences all of life, all of creation, not as a video like we're doing now, but as one still picture, one photograph. That's what verse 15 is is saying. Saying that the present, 
the future and the past are all contained in God's embrace. That which is already has been. That which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. So the first thing he talks about is the present. That which is already has been. That which is to be, that's the future, already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. What has been driven away is the past. And so God includes in one embrace the present, the future, and the past. His nature, God's power, God's control are awe-inspiring. And when we reflect on God's power and sovereignty, reverence, awe, marvel, and wonder are what we call a healthy fear before God. Remember the, the first time I ever drove a boat um, on the Lake Logan Martin. My dad loved the water. We always spent time. He always had a, a boat. And I was maybe 10 or 11 years old. And he said, all right, Drew, your turn. Come come drive the boat. And boats, they, they have a... This particular boat had... A, a steering wheel that uh, you would take and then also had a throttle to the to the right and you're in the captain's chair and you push the throttle forward makes the boat go forward but there's a little catch and when it's in neutral to then put it into gear so you got to push really hard to get it over that and then get the boat so that it goes forward so 10 years old I'm in the captain's chair left hand on the wheel right hand on the throttle and I'm going to get it over that catch I'm going to push it hard and I grabbed hold of it and just jammed it forward and the boat launched out of the water as all the gas went forward and everybody screamed, fell backwards. I grabbed hold of everything and then wrenched the thing back to neutral. So it launched forward and then stopped and went boom, right back in the water. And everybody went flying forward because when it hit the water, it stopped and water was everywhere. That was the power that was in my hands at that time. And that summer... You better believe when I drove again after dad got over his shock, he said, all right, now let's do it a little easier this time and just pushed it nice and slow every time. And that lasted for that summer. But after that, I got comfortable. I'd forgotten the power that was in my hands and would just drive around all over the place. Maybe you had a similar experience the first time you drove a car or a boat or that you, you were scared, didn't know how to accelerate and how to brake and you, you were very timid because you knew the power that was in your hands. Or first time you got in an airplane, knew, knowing the power and the fear of getting in an airplane. But today you get in a car and hardly think about it. Get in an airplane, hardly think about it. We get the sense of being in control. And in so doing, we forget the sovereign power of God. And our reverence, our awe, that healthy fear can be lost and dissipate into too much of a sense of familiarity. And it's occasions like this that remind us, no, we, we are just grains of sand on the beach of world history. 
We are helpless and out of control when it comes to to world events that are way beyond our capacity to change or stop in an instant. We recognize we are not God. Now, an important point here is recognizing and highlighting the sovereignty of God sometimes can cause uh, an error to the other extreme. Sometimes people make the mistake of responding to God's sovereignty, to God's control over all the earth by saying, I really don't need to do anything. I don't matter. My decisions, my responses, they don't matter. That's wrong. That's called fatalism. And what what that fatalism means that we just believe well, what's going to happen is what's going to happen. I don't have any impact on it. I have the choices I make are irrelevant. That's wrong. And sometimes Ecclesiastes felt that way. The, the writer of Ecclesiastes, that's why he would say that all is vanity. All is meaningless. All is empty. So sometimes when we look at the world, we can say that who am I? I have no impact and no responsibility. But God is so brilliant and so beautiful that God never loses control Though he grants us responsibility. He grants us true meaningful choices. And gives us even the possibility to change. Nothing happens outside of what I said earlier. Of what theologians call God's permissive will. What God allows to happen. As I mentioned earlier, the prophet Isaiah tells us. God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But God's brilliance and his creative genius allows for God's ultimate control to allow for the influence of our choices and our responsibility to truly join with God in what God is doing in the world. His plans and purposes that the writer of Ecclesiastes tell us they are the only thing that endures forever. And and it makes sense that we have the possibility of changing. We have personal responsibility. We have choices that make sense. Otherwise, what Jesus said when he came didn't make sense. Because he often charged us, charged his audiences with repent. Believe. The very word repent means change. It means we change direction from going our way to following after Jesus. So we do have responsibility. It is, we can change in His power. So, what do we do? Then, recognizing God's power, His control, and that yes, He has given us capacity to change in the midst of a world that seems totally out of control and in which we truly are often helpless. Well, our um, uh, sermon series, we've been charged with two things. We've been calling each, each Sunday, we say, what do we need to declutter and what do we need to focus on? Well, here's what you need to declutter, um, to consider decluttering. How, how do we respond when we feel helpless and out of control? 
Name, name your fear. Name your anger. Name your anxiety that flows from that helplessness. That the, the realization that the chaos around us demonstrates how much we are not in control of the world around us. Name that fear. Name that anxiety. Name that sense of helplessness. Name it and let it go. Declutter your soul from that fear, anger, and anxiety, from that sense of helplessness. And then focus on God by submitting yourself to God's glory and doing what God wants you to do today. Focus on the glory of God. Focus on submitting to God's glory and do what God wants you to do today in this moment. Now let's let's talk a little bit about submitting to God's glory. What what exactly does that mean? It's uh, um, how how do we submit to God? I can understand being in awe and marvel of God's glory, but how do we submit to God's glory? Well, um, by, by that, I'm, I'm trying to take our response to God's glory as more than just an emotional experience of awe, which it includes that. But it's similar like when you, the first time you saw the Grand Canyon or when you watch fireworks or if you've seen a brand new baby. You know, there's just this awe, this marvel that overcomes you. But this awe, this, this healthy fear of God isn't just an emotional response, but it is an awe that leads to trust and peace and hope and obedience. So we, we submit to the, to the glory of God, to the beauty of God, to the creative genius of God, to the sovereignty of God. It reminds us, you, it reminds you and me, man, we are not God, but God is God and God is in control. Um, a number of years ago, I had the privilege of being at the Charlotte, North Carolina, um, motor speedway and we, uh, Kathy and my wife and I, got to ride in uh, a race car. Now, it actually wasn't a real stock car. It, it was the, the, the car that goes in front of them, the pace car. So it, it looks like just, a, I think it was a Ford. Yeah, it was a, just a regular old Ford, um, that uh, sedan that you, we got in. Um, and uh, Kathy and I got in the back seat, um, buckled up, for which we we're very thankful. And then we start riding around the racetrack. And he, 50, 70, 80, 100, 150 miles an hour we're going. I've never been as thankful for seatbelts ever in my life. Because if it weren't for a seatbelt, I would have been jammed um, in the, the right side of the car. And Kathy would have been jammed on me. I am holding on for dear life. And Kathy, I mean, both of us, the next day, we were sore. Our arms were sore from holding back. Because we felt like as we're flying around this track, that we were going to fly off the track. That the car's no way the car could hold on at such a speed, taking the curve that it was taking. And as we're going around at 150, I'm in my mind, I'm going, wait a minute. I know I saw this car do this same thing just a minute ago. 
And two minutes ago. And three minutes ago. He's had people coming and going out. He's driven this car plenty of times. He knows what he is doing. And plus, I even know other cars go 200 miles an hour on this. I'm glad that he's driving and I'm not driving. And he's done this many of times. Relax. Submitting to the glory of God. Saying to ourselves, as we feel like we're spinning out of control, God has been God for a long time. And he's been doing this for a long time. And we can trust in him. We can be at peace when we submit to his glory. And then do what God wants us to do today. Declutter. Name the anger. Name the fear. Name the anxiety. Name that, that helplessness and that sense of being out of control cause within you and let them go. And then submit to God's glory and do what God wants you to do today. And in, in, in your families, I, I don't know what you're, you're facing now. But if you submit to God's glory, then, then you're empowered to do what God wants you to do in the midst of whatever you might be facing because of the virus or in any in the regular station of life. I mean, th- this is true not just in times of chaos and, and real um, medical emergencies, but th- this, is, this is true in all of life. Whatever we face, wherever we feel out of control and helpless. Maybe that you have conflict in, in your relationships and you're feeling helpless and out of control of how to deal with that conflict. Again, declutter. Name that sense of helplessness. Name that anger, that fear, whatever it might be. Let it go and submit to the glory of God. And in the freedom of being in His control, do what He wants you to do today. To pursue reconciliation. To pursue forgiveness. Maybe uh, that uh, your parents are saying no to you. They're, they're, tell- they're making you do something you don't want to do. Or they're telling you you can't do uh, something that you want to do. And you're feeling out of control. Name that sense of helplessness and that anger and that frustration. Release it. Submit to the glory of God and let His peace fill you and do what God wants you to do today. You may have the same place in in your workplace, the same kind of situation. The the current events, the coronavirus is totally changing the, the work that you're supposed to be doing. Or maybe your job no longer exists. And you're feeling out of control. Release that sense of anger, that sense of helplessness, that anxiety. Release it. Submit to God's glory. And do what He wants you to do today. It can also be the case in in personal habits. That you feel out of control and you feel helpless. That there's certain things that you do you don't want to do. But in your helplessness, you continue to do them. We call those addictions. 
Again, name. Where is it that you're helpless? Where is it that anger or that self-loathing, that self-hatred? Where is it that being helpless, out of control, leads to those reactions? Name them. Release them. Submit to God's glory. And do what He wants you to do today. Now, if you're watching this and you just happened upon it, you're really not a believer in Jesus Christ, not a, not a follower. Um, you just happened on this for the day. I encourage you to do the same thing, though, because God loves you. And there's plenty of times that you as well may feel helpless or out of control. And that might lead to anger and frustration in your own life as well. Whether it's in relationships, at the workplace, whether it's in your own personal habits. Do the same. Declutter. Name that anger, that helplessness, that sense of frustration. And submit to the glory of God. And do what God wants you to do today. You all, again, might be asking, well, how do I submit to God's glory? Well, the first step is simply in prayer. Just state, just talk to God. Maybe something along these lines. God, you're in control. You created this world and you created me. You're in control of this current situation. It is not a surprise to you. I want to do what you want me to do. Because I know what you do endures forever. But I feel helpless. I feel out of control in this situation. Help me. Free me. Empower me. To do what you want me to do. Now, I'm going to add one more thing to this. But uh, I want you to, to uh, everyone to, to think about this week. This week, the goal is to identify one thing, one item in which you feel helpless and out of control. And I want you to submit to, to God's glory. You know, declutter, name it, declutter, put it aside, and then submit to God's glory, and then share that with another person. Share that, that particular way in which you feel helpless, that you've put that aside and now you're submitting to God's glory to do what God wants you to do and share that with another person who will help you do what God wants you to do. I mean, I know we're practicing social distancing. You can see the choir. They're practicing social distancing. But we also need social connectivity. And the wonderful gift that we have these opportunities to practice social connectivity through something like technology today. Because we do need one another. I mean, we are too broken and too messed up to do this on our own. We need God's power within us and God leads us to one another. So declutter, focus, and share it with another. And imagine with me. Imagine what would it be for, for our neighborhoods, our community, our city, if, if those of us who are followers of Jesus really did get serious about submitting to God's glory 
and doing what God wants us to do one step at a time. If we truly trusted in that, we would be a free people. I mean, we'd still have pain. We'd still have sadness. There'd still be chaos around us. Death would still be part of our lives. Disappointment and evil would be there. But we would be free from being controlled by the chaos and the evil. For we would be under God's sovereign control. We would not be helpless, but we would indeed be helpful. Being helped by God To do the things he wants us to do one step at a time. That would be peace. That would be freedom. And we as a a church would continue to grow according to what God desires us to be. To be a diverse growing community of Jesus followers. And he would be filling us, using us, guiding us in our community. In the midst of chaos. In the midst of uncertainty. In the midst of evil. To be people of peace and love and compassion and generosity. I mean, what kind of people can God make us to be if indeed we submit to God's glory and do what God wants us to do today? Amen. Let's join in the prayer together. Gracious God, uh, we do thank you for your word. Thank you for your provision. Uh, Thank you that you are indeed good and that you are powerful. Uh, We ask, uh, Lord, during this time that you would bring to mind those ways that we feel helpless and out of control and that we would set those aside and submit to your glory. May your Holy Spirit empower us um, to do just that. And we thank you for the privilege we have of joining before you, of of, uh, sharing our concerns, that you invite us, even command us to to ask and to seek and to knock. So so we do. And Lord, we, we pray for our world. We pray for your healing hand upon our world. We, we pray for those who are in uh, positions of leadership, in, uh, particularly in governments and in health care. Um, again, in the nations of the world, we pray your wisdom would be upon them. And we pray uh, for us and for your church around the world uh, to be a, a people who submit to your glory in the midst of the chaos and that you would be glorified, you would be honored as we seek to follow you in all that we do and say. And Lord, we we lift up one another to you as well. We uh, pray for Gene Gosselink, who is in Jewish uh, um, Kenwood Hospital. We pray your healing upon him. For Louisa Dickey, um, who is at the Heritage Spring Rehabilitation Center, pray your healing uh, upon her. And we, we pray, Lord, for your, your peace and comfort and the sure and certain hope of the resurrection. Uh, for Scott Rice and, and family, for, for Tim and for others in the death of, of Kathy Rice. And we pray for uh, Andrea Brown and Lance Brown and their families in the death of their, their father, Wes. And we uh, pray for Sally Mosier and the family in the death of her daughter, Sue. Pray your your 
your peace and comfort upon them. That peace that is beyond all understanding. And other needs and concerns uh, for um, uh, our world, Lord, we lift them before you. For our friends and, and neighbors, hear the cries of our heart. And we are thankful that we can come before you and lift these concerns before you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.